If you like to gamble, I tell you I'm your man. You win some, lose some, it's all the same to me. Hello and welcome to the official Motorhead podcast, The Motorcast. I am your host, Howard H. Smith. You may know me as lead singer with UK thrash band Acid Rain or via my own podcast, Talking Bollocks. You'll see my name's highlighted in the description of this podcast. That's because it's a link. Click on that and that'll take you to hundreds of episodes that I have produced coming up on the 10th anniversary. But here, I am merely your guide through the world of Motorhead as we stroll the halls of this virtual museum we have built full of interviews, full of stories and full of legends as we continue to keep the legend alive as do all of you and I can't thank you enough for listening or subscribing or sharing or hey, do all of that If you're not subscribed, there will be a way of subscribing wherever you're listening to this. Have a look. There'll be a bell. There'll be something that you can click and subscribe. Please do that. And also, please share the fact that the Motorcast exists because, believe it or not, some Motorhead fans are unaware. So let's try and change that. Now, it's coming. The 40th anniversary. Has it really been that long? of another perfect day it is coming it's a special edition it's available on cd it's on splatter vinyl there's digital go to imotorhead.com and find out all about it so in this episode as always we like to get people on who met the band worked with them gigged with them hung out with them drunk with them you name it it's always fun having people on who worked and were close to Motorhead and Alex Becker is no different. We had a great chat. I'm not going to go on about it. I'm going to play it to you. Here's Alex. Hello and welcome to the Motorcast. Alex. Howard, pleasure to talk to you and finally meet you. Thanks for having me. It's an absolute pleasure, mate. Thank you for coming on. And um, well, let's get right down to this, but let's not. I'm going to make an exception. Occasionally, I make an exception to the rule of the first question. And because we've had a, a very short chat beforehand, I just wanted to um, to ask you how you ended up in the music business before we before we go into the motorhead kind of side of things. Yeah, it's quite a funny story. You know, I never planned being in the music business at all. You know, I like music. I listen to music. You know, I, I want to tell you that I, I wish I could tell you that I was a cool kid and that, you know, Metallica, Kiss, Motorhead were my first record ever. But unfortunately, that's not his way. So basically, my first record ever was David fucking Hasselhoff. <laughs> yeah. Oh, the, the, ma- the, man who, the man who virtually single-handedly brought down the Berlin Wall, you mean? Yeah, that's what he said. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah so the exactly. first the first album I ever bought was, you know, Looking for Freedom, David Hasselhoff. The first gig I ever visited was David Hasselhoff and Looking for Freedom tour. When you know at when he played the encore, his car kid drove on stage and then he talked to the car. So basically how it you know, I'm not the cool guy, but you know, uh, the rock uh, the rock butt bit 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 me, uh, you know, thanks God a little bit later. So, you know, I never wanted to start out in the music business. I 
In Germany, when you finish school, you have to decide between social service and military. I decided for social services. You know, I worked at a nursing home taking care of old people. And at some point of time, you know, I was taking care of an old lady. And her son came in and he said, Alex, what you want to do with your life? And I said, I got no fucking clue. And then he said, yeah, well, I do taxes for a big TV production company. And, you know, why don't you try it out? So he, he, he helped me, you know, getting an apprenticeship at a TV production company. And I liked it a lot. So I worked for the, for the next years. I worked in TV business. I learned to become a cameraman, reporter, did quite some stuff like uh, Big Brother the, and then, you know, the German equivalent to Pop Idol. And then, unfortunately, it moved to news, bloody news. I fucking hated it because, you know, TV is a bitch. It, it sucks a lot. You know, there's fun stories I had. I could was able to work with artists, you know, doing interviews with them. My crush back then was Alanis Morissette. So, you know, I was very happy when I was able to interview Alanis Morissette. You know, I got slapped by Posh Spice one time. <laughs> no, that's that's a true story. That's a yeah, true story. I, I believe you. So what happened is basically, you know, I was learning, still learning. And I had an interview with Posh Spice and the cameraman told me, you know, put the microphone on her. And the old microphones, you know, with the needle that you put on through the clothes. And then I actually hit her with the needle and then she slapped me. But, you know, after all those years, I hated, I started to hate TV. Yeah. Because, you know, there was one specific story that I, I remember quite well. There was a murder, a double murder in the town next to the town where I lived. You know, two kids were murdered, adopted, abducted. And, you know, the TV station, Center Square, to interview the parents or try to get a word with the parents. You know, yeah. how, how, do you, how do you feel? Your parents, your kids just got murdered. And that was for me the point, you know, fuck this shit. Yeah. You know, this is, yeah. this is nothing free. I used to live in Cologne. And in my street where I lived, there was a music store. And, you know, every time after, after shooting, I went there, play guitar and hang around. One day... My friend, the owner of the shop, told me, Alex, what's your favorite guitar company? And I said, Gibson, of course. That's my favorite, you know. And then he said, you know, I got con connections and I heard that Gibson is going to open an artist relation office in Berlin, Germany. And I said, what the fuck? This is my job. So basically what I did when you're young, you can still take risk is I quit my good paid job, applied for the job with Gibson, I moved to Berlin without even getting, you know, the okay. So I just took the risk, moved to Berlin. I, I knew this is my job. And then, you know, my career in the music business started there. That, now, now, do you know what? When we were talking and I said, you know, you, you, you explain what you do now. And, I, yeah. you know, it, it's great. And you said, oh, you know, you said, oh, yeah, no, I'm, I, I've, I've been lucky. And I just think... I. With every story, when someone says they've been lucky, you made your own luck. At each stage, there's decisions that you made there. I mean, sometimes you must look back and think, "Wow, what if I'd gone? What if I'd gone national service instead yeah. of nursing? Wholly yeah. different life." Yeah, I think about it a lot. You know, yeah. I imagine what what would have happened if my parents didn't give me my first 
guitar, my first real guitar. Yeah. Would I be now a fucking accountant? Would I be doing taxes for somebody, you know? Yeah. I, I don't have a clue. It's amazing, clue. isn't it? It's amazing. These, these, these things that happen to us along the way. Um, but it's look, it's an incredible story, and um, and and I'm re I'm really glad you told it on the um, uh, on the motorcast as well, because I think sometimes um, you know we have people on, and it sounds like the easiest thing in the world to break into the music business, and people have been in the you know they've been in the music business all their lives, whereas you're somebody who who you know basically risked everything to to, to get into it, which is you know it's awesome, it's really cool. Yeah, but you always have to remember, you know, it's not all this gold was gl what glitters. You know, yeah. so basically, yeah. you know, working with the stars, you know, we, we talk about Motet and Lemmy later, obviously, but, you know, it's also hard work involved. It's not yes. always fun, especially when you remember, you know, what happened during COVID yeah. when all we music industry people had a lot of bad times. But, you know, yeah. I'm lucky. Sometimes you can take risks. The risks paid off for me and I'm happy. I'm yeah. really happy. That's that well that's that's awesome and that's that's all any of us can aim for in life. So, I've been putting it off but you're getting it anyway. How did Motorhead first enter your life? Yeah, obviously, you know, the Motorhead records in school. So basically after I bought my first uh, album the David Hasselhoff album, you know, I got through a school friend into rock and metal music. You know, the first albums I bought was Guns N' Roses, Clawfinger, Motorhead, and Metallica, obviously. Yeah. And you know, as I just and then you know, just to get back to the story, I then, thanks God, who or whoever is responsible, I don't believe in God, but you know, whoever the higher yeah. spirit is, you know, I got to drop. I got to drop. So I worked there like three or four years, you know, working myself up the ladder. And some, it was I don't remember the day, but it was sometime in two thousand six that I got a phone call from Rotra, Rotra D'Souza. Rotra D'Souza is Phil Campbell's longtime guitar tech. And he said, yeah, Phil, they're recording a new album. Phil wants to have some new guitars, buy some, you know, get some loaners to get a more variety of sounds. You know, that was the first time I got introduced to Motorhead officially. So yeah. I then, from that time on, I took care of Phil, you know, yeah. He wanted some specific guitars. I sent him over to his home in Wales. And this is where it all started, the beginnings. So that but that must be that must be quite a reputation that you've built for yourself that somebody, you know, somebody is calling up um for somebody in the UK, they're calling somebody in Germany to to organize some guitars. You must have had, you know, that must have that must be some reputation you got there. Or were you or were you still the man at, at, at Gibson at this point? No, uh, you know, it's, uh, you know, I don't want to, how do I say it the best? I tick different than other people. For example, right. Gibson, Gibson is a big corporation, you know. For them, it was more important that, for example, the guitar player of Britney Spears played a Gibson guitar, yeah. you know, in the background on the Grammy Awards. Yeah. So some of the offices didn't take care of the proper musicians. So why did I buy my first guitar in the first place? Because I loved Slash and not because, you know, the guitar player of Christina Aguilera or Britney Spears played the guitar, you know? Yeah. So I, I, you know, I always made the decision between the big business and, you know, the real musicians that really inspire people. And, yes. you know, if you look back at the history of Motorhead and, you know, the stuff, Phil Campbell, Lord Xmas or Welsh Wanker, as we all name him, you know, 
<laughs> made made you know it was important for me that people like those get a chance you know there's a reason why i got credits in the chinese democracy guns and roses album why didn't america gibson america take care of them they didn't take it seriously it's axel rose guns and roses you know he needed 14 years for chinese democracy you know but we german guys we took care of them and you know right. this is how how we got a quite a reputation Right. Okay. That's, that's, that's very cool. That's very cool. So that's, that brings you into the motorhead camp, does it, you know, starting to work with Phil? Yeah, correct. Correct. That was, that, that was uh, the first time then we had some phone calls. He invited me to tour to visit. And then we, uh, we formed, I can really say we formed a a friendship during the time. So, you know, when there was something, when he was in Europe, I visited him or, you know, when he needed some guitar advice, because he's a maniac. When it comes to guitar, yeah. guitars, he's crazy. Actually, there's two things he's crazy about. The one thing is guitars, and the other thing is strongbow. You know? <laughs> so basically, so some years passed by, passed by, and I, I, at some time, point in time, I think it was 2010, I visit Phil backstage on the motor show. I think it was Munich or Berlin. And, you know, I went, I go into the dressing room and, you know, he invites me, opens the fridge. The fridge is full of Strombo cider. It suddenly makes click in my head. Phil likes Strombo. Phil likes guitars. Why not combine the best of both worlds and make a nice present to Phil? So basically, that this was the first guitar that I then created with friends together uh, for Phil. I then called an American uh, guitar maker, Dean Zielinski. He built guitars for ZZ Top, you know, you, you name it, Jeff Beck. And I told him, you know, my friend Phil from Motorhead. He loves Strongbow. He loves guitars in a single cut style. Let's do guitar f- for him together. Said and done. A couple of months later, you know, and a couple of designs later, we came up with the guitar. He sent it to me. And in 2011, a couple of months later, I presented to him at a rock, at a concert, at a festival. And he was so happy. From that day on, until Lemmy's uh, untimely death, he always played it for, uh, for the encore, which was overkill. So that made me really, really proud. So whenever yeah. you see that that crazy strongbow guitar, that was my brainchild, and I, I'm proud of it. I'm proud yeah, of it. well, it's well, it's it's you know, it's part of the uh, it's part of the history. It's part of the it's, it's part of the canon of Motorhead history. Yeah, but you know, it, but it was not you know some endorsement deal or, or shit like that or product placement. Yeah, you know the mo- the Motorhead camp, beat Phil, beat Lemmy, beat Mickey. All, all the road crew, they always treated me so nice and polite and were always there when I needed something. You know, I didn't have any deal in mind when I made that guitar. I just wanted to, yeah. to make this guitar as a deal of appreciation yeah. for Phil, to make him happy because he was such a nice, nice guy. Yeah, yeah, and your, your motives were pure. Yeah, correct, correct. Yeah. Because of love of music. <laughs> yeah, you can't go wrong. You can't go wrong. Yeah, um, correct. So, um, so obviously, you know, that, that's, that's quite a thing. Um, and, um, I would imagine over the years, um, you, you, you cross paths with the whole band and, you know, seeing them live many times. Yep. 
and yeah. um, and and obviously you must have had some dealings with Lemmy. I would have thought. Yeah, you know, Lemmy was such a great guy, such a great gentleman. So around 2011, you know, after that guitar thing, a Swedish company called Cruzel, you know, they are, you know, manufacturers of phone accessoires, like, you know, carrying cases and shit. It sounds very unsexy, mm-hmm. but they, they approached me because they had an idea for product. We all know the product now as the famous motor headphones, you know, the, yeah. The headphones, earpieces, yep. you know, motor Had a pair myself. Yep, got a pair as soon as yeah. it came out. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I wish they would revise them, you know, with Bluetooth, but, you know, uh, I think they never do it. But, you know, I then got approached, you know, to do artist relations and bring the headphones out to the market with, with you know, celebrities. If you, for example, look at the uh, Facebook pages select, if you see all the celebrities from Airborne, from Slash, you know, were showcasing their motor headphones. So that was basically part of my work. And the funny thing about the motor headphones was that, you know, it was not a generic product. So, you yeah. know, where we just put the motor and brand on it. Yeah. So, so Mickey D, good old Mickey D, for months and months tested prototypes, you know, worked on the frequencies to make, to make the most baddest headphones for rock music. And back at, back, back at the time, they really were, you know? Yeah. They kicked Beats ass, they kicked Sony's ass, Sennheiser's ass. When it came to metal music, those were the best headphones available. You know, that, that, was, that was really fun times. When the headphone, headphones launched, we made a big, big appearance at IFA. IFA's, you know, international exhibition like the CES in Las Vegas. Yeah. And, you know, we had a small booth around us with Samsung, Sony, you know, all those people with the suits and their huge fucking booths, you know, presenting their new TVs, shit like that. And we decided, because we are Motorhead, we decided to make a rock and roll booth to present ours. So between all those kick-ass huge uh, booths of the other, we had a small rock club atmosphere. So we had a stage where we put Mickey's original drums on it. You know, we had to war pick as a logo and all that stuff like that. We had beer, free beer all the time. We had signing sessions with Mickey. I, I invited, you know, uh, really big celebrities in the rock music world. For example, some people of Rammstein came, you know, Scorpions, you, you name it. And we had a bang, you know, and our booth was the most visited booth all the time because, you know, we had the chicks, we had yeah. the beer and, and we had the good music. And out of that, uh, out of that, uh, appearance at IFA, you know, we came up with a great idea. Motorhead was going to do a tour in 2012. It was, I think it was Kings of the Road tour. And, you know, we wanted to do something cool promotion-wise. So basically, we came up with the idea, what do you need for rock and roll? You need good music, you need alcohol, and you need girls. So what we then did was we created a promotion, what we called Motorhead Girls. So on every show in, in Germany, Switzerland, and Austria, we had a promotional booth within the venue where people could try out the headphones. But, you know, not, not advised by people like me, but by really, really hot, hot models, you know, that lived a rock and roll lifestyle. Yeah. So, you know, and the booth was crowded, you know, 
from entry to end of the show. At one point of time, Lemmy heard about it. And then he called me in his dressing room. He said, Alex, you know, I heard there's different Motet girls every day, every day of the show. I said, yes, yes, sir. Before the girls go to work, they have to come to me. So, you know, from that, I think, was the second uh, show in the tour. Before the girls went to work, I brought them to Lemmy, you know. And just don't get, don't get me wrong here. It was not about groupy shit. It was not about sex. You know, it was, you know, just meeting people yes. out of your normal rock and roll circuit, having a good time, being polite, having a drink, you know. Yeah, wanting to hear wanting to hear their story because they're effectively working for Motorhead. Yeah, yeah, correct. So you know, it was some girls. You know, I still it, it was 2012. Some girls I still have contact with, and they still talk about that one day. You know, when they had the time to sit down, do quality time with Lemmy, it, it it was amazing. It was really amazing. Yeah, that's awesome, and that's I mean, it's a mark of the man. It doesn't you know it doesn't surprise me. It's the mark of the man that. You know, anybody, anybody working for, you know, to to him, they were effectively road crew for the day. Correct, correct. And, you know, he was so humble. He was so nice, you know. You know, I I worked with a lot of rock stars. I could tell bad stories, which I would never tell. But, you know, with Lemmy, there's not one shitty story I could tell because he was just a real deal, a nice, humble person you know yeah I, I totally loved him i totally totally loved him yeah it's it, it's funny it's not funny it's 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 a constant that people within the industry including like you know people within the industry have worked with loads of bands like yourself you know bands come bands go there's yep. loads of, but it, but you know i've had people on the on the on on the motorcast that you know, would would never bother coming on a on a podcast to talk about one of the artists they've worked with, but when they've worked with Lemmy, you know, they 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 want to talk about it because there'll be something, there'll be a story, there'll be that. They, they, do you know what I mean? There's always there's always something that people remember specifically that happened. You know, yeah, and you know, I wouldn't be on this podcast if you know things wouldn't have. Uh happened in the past, which really pissed me off, you know? For yeah. example, I'll just give you a thankful. You know, I work, or still work with Johnny Depp. You know, how Johnny Depp got slaughtered in the press during with Amber Heard. You know, all, all lies, not guilty. The recent happenings with Till Lindemann, the singer of Rammstein, you know, all this bullshit in the press, not guilty, nothing happened, no proof. So basically, you know, I, as I have a lot of experience, a lot of years track record in the music business, I sat down during COVID and started to write a book. Because, you know, there's so much shit out there. All this gossip, yellow press lies just to sell subscriptions and newspapers. So I decided to write a book contrary to the other books, which means, you know, only positive and inspiring stories. Yeah. How do people that we adore really are. And, you know, yeah. and as there are two or three Motet stories in there, you know, I spammed you. <laughs> and, and now, 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 here I am. That's, that, that, that's how you get on the show, everyone. You just, you just spam me and eventually I give in. 
<laughs> and you did. <laughs> but I yeah, but I didn't I didn't move you into spam. I just see your emails and think, okay, yeah, yeah, I yeah, I remember this guy. <laughs> <laughs> no, so that you know, there's there's so many good experiences or good memories with the band. It's amazing, you know. For me, I work with a lot of people, you know. For me, it's just work. Be it be it Rammstein, be it, you know. Airborne, you name it, but you know, there are some instances, some artists that you will always remember. Yeah. And for me, the best memories ever was when I did the whole 2012 tour. You know, every day hanging out with the band, every day, you know, talking to the crew, seeing a concert every day, you know, yeah. drinking. I don't know if I can, I can say this, but the first drug I ever. I ever took was speed with Lemmy. <laughs> dude, dude, if you're gonna if you if you're gonna do drugs, not not advocating it out there, kids. No, if no, no, of course not. Drugs, it's it, the best way to do them is to start with speed, doing speed with Lemmy. That's insane. Yeah, well, you know, uh, I, I bet he loved that as well. I bet he loved. I bet he loved that. You know, just like right, okay. How do you feel? Are you all right? Yeah. I talk faster than I talk now, but it, it was quite interesting. <laughs> but you know, Motorhead also has a reputation. You know, other rock, other rock stars, even big rock stars. You know, they love them and adore them. Yes. So, for example, I also work with Till Lindemann. Till Lindemann is the singer of Rammstein. You know, yeah. Yeah. The, one of the biggest, if not the biggest, you know, rock band in Europe or in the world at this point of time. And basically, he loved Lemmy. He loved Lemmy. You know, so basically, uh, I introduced him back then to Phil Campbell. You know, they become friends. And then we often went to concerts. And now I'm going to tell you a story which shows, you know, what a good person to Lindemann is and what Lemmy means to him. So basically, it was 2013. Motorhead were playing were playing a concert in Holland, a one-day festival called Forta Rock. Airborne was there, Rammstein was there. You know, it was a really great lineup. The year before, on the 2012 tour, I introduced Till to Lemmy. And Till loved Lemmy a lot. You know, he, they talked about history, about World War II, obviously, because of yeah. Lemmy's love for, for history. And then, you know, for a couple of months, I didn't hear anything, you know. But Till was clever. He had this conversation always in, the, in his mind. So what happened is 2013, Rammstein and Motad play for the Art Festival. A couple of months ago, you have to know that Till Lindemann, he lives in Berlin, but he also has a house in a small, small rural area near Schwerin. You know, the, the, this, the town is so small that it doesn't have, have even street names. Right. It's okay. so small. That's small. And you know, next to his house was a big sea. So basically, during World War Two, you know, when when the Russians, you know, invaded Germany and you know, basically uh, freed us from the Nazis, all the Nazi soldiers were afraid. And, you know, they didn't want to be recognized. So what did they do if they were stationed near Schwerin? They threw all their stuff in the sea, in, yeah. in, in this lake, in this lake. So basically, you know, there were hundreds of pistols, you know, batteries and all that stuff. 
So, and what did Till Lindemann, one of the biggest singers in, in rock history today, do? In his free time, he was snorkeling, diving, and he dove for memorabilia for Lemmy. Wow. Yeah. So, basically, what he did then is, you know, after this 2012 meeting, he thought about it. Yeah. I mean, I have money. I could, I could buy let me whatever I want as a present, but you know, I wanted to do something personal. So he dove, he dived, and he resurrected from the lake, you know, an old World War II pistol. He restored it, and then in 2013 at a Forta Rock Festival, you know, he made a present to Lemmy, and Lemmy couldn't believe it. There's a famous photo that I have, you know, where Lemmy is holding this old rusty pile uh, pistol to his head with Till Lindemann standing next to him, smiling, you know. This is how how much Lemmy meant to other rock stars, you know. So not buying, you know, yeah, buying your watch, buying you whatever, just, you know, doing something personally and, you know, yeah. get a nice gift. So that was really nice. That's absolutely beautiful. That really yeah. is, and uh, and like you say, I think that does that does illustrate the fact that um, uh, yeah, let me let me have this effect on people. Yeah, and I mean, as I, as I said before, I'm not starstruck at all. You know, I work with a lot of people, yeah, which are, are famous. You know, the most famous is obviously Johnny Depp, and but uh, there's times you know where I have to pinch myself. Yeah, how how lucky I'm, you know? How can this happen? For example, that was on two in 2012. So uh, at, at that point of time, uh, Lemmy had two assistants. One was Steve Luna, basically he was taking care of Lemmy in the US or mostly in Europe. But when Steve was not available, Alan Hungerford was uh, Lemmy's personal assistant, friend of the show. Yes. Yeah. So Alan, yeah, I met him through Machine Head back then. He was an uh, assistant to Rob Flynn. And then we met again through uh, uh, through Motorhead. So it was a day at the Zenit, a big venue in Munich in 2012. And uh, suddenly the tour manager, it was, uh, how was he called again? Uh, Eddie. Eddie saw me standing there and said, Alex, Alex, Alan is not available, but Lemmy wants to go out to the flea market. Can you do me a favor and, you know, take care of Lemmy? So, you know, I then, for example, Lemmy and I, we went alone to the flea market and I took care of, of Lemmy. Like for two hours, we visited, we checked all the memorabilia they had. We bought some World War stuff for Lemmy. It's just the small things, you know, then spending two times alone with Lemmy, just walking uh, through the aisles of that flea market. You know, I'm, I come from a very fucking small city in Germany. And sometimes, you know, I cannot believe what has happened to me. And I'm so thankful. You know, I'm not rich. I don't make much money. But, you know, often I'm having the time of my life. And, you know, I'm enjoying life. And that's that's exactly what it's all about. Yeah. That's exactly what it's all about. And, And so, you know, you good on you you took you did what everybody thought or said they were going to do and didn't do which was i'm going to use lockdown to write a book well you did um and uh, and what's it called and how can people get hold of it now so basically you know i tried to uh, contact some publishers but you know they were not interested because it's too too positive 
<laughs> that's that's the quote I got from them. It's too positive, you know. There's not enough gossip and you know blood, murder, and groupy stories. So basically, I decided, you know, to to do it myself. I made a Kickstarter campaign to get the production cost in in the bank. It worked out. Now the books are being produced, and you know, within three or four weeks, it's it's going to show up on my website in in two languages, German and English. You know, and I invite everybody to check it out. You know, it's That's fun. Awesome. How, it's, and how do they find you? How do they find that? What's the website? It's www.alex-becker.info. So that's all. Okay, so Alex hyphen or, or, or slash whatever, dash, yeah. Yeah, def- yeah. Alex dash Becker dot info. Dot info. Yeah, okay. you know, it, it's it's a fun book. You know, there are stories about motor, obviously. There are stories about Rammstein. There are stories about System from Down, Metallica, Soulfly, you know. And it's right, no okay. bullshit. It's, it's no bullshit. It's the real deal. It's all the stories that I personally witness and the bonuses, because as I told you before, I I used to be a cameraman, so I always had a camera with me. So or every one, every single one of the story comes with photos that I took back then. So that really gives the oh, proof. Oh man, that is well. You used the phrase there, the real deal, and that is so apt for this podcast because it's it's about it's about probably the band that describes that phrase better than anybody motorhead and it sounds like you've uh you've managed to produce something that is the real deal as well no you know i, I learned my lessons in life you know i don't want to work with people that are assholes so you know at the beginning you know i had to work with whoever wanted to work with me but you know now I'm, now i'm in a position where i can decide you know yes so you know, yeah. I'm very, I'm very thankful for that. You know, and uh, b- besides the motor headphones, I also worked on another motorhead project, which was the not world famous, but you know, it was the funny uh, rock science motorhead board game. That was, I don't know if you're familiar with that. No, I'm not. No, what the fuck, Howard? I know. How dare I? I'll get sacked. <laughs> yeah. So basically. What we did back then, it is an official merchandise item we did together with Global. Yeah. It's a re it's a real board game about the history of Motorhead. It's like it's it's a knowledge game. It's a real board game with one thousand five hundred questions oh about about the story of Lemmy, about Hawkeye and and you know Motorhead. I don't know how I've missed this. Yeah, we, I, don't, I don't, I don't remember the exact year, but but I think it was like 2016, 17, something like that. Yeah, you know, and we sold out the, the edition, and that was a lot of fun too, you know. Well, who and well, maybe if we've we do a little bit of advertising here on the motorcast, you never know, you might be inundated with people wanting a, a second edition. <laughs> no, it was it was it was quite a lot of fun. But yeah. I honestly, I only, I honestly have to say we also did a mistake because you know the board game was quite popular yeah. because you know it really dives deep into the history of Motorhead. Yeah. So you know even people like you, who nearly know everything, they would find out stories. No, I cannot believe that that's true. But then you know the times were changing, and you know we also wanted to go the from the board game level 
to the mobile app level. But, you know, yeah. that's where we made a mistake because, you know, I have to say that, you know, Motorhead fans are rather old school. They want the and box. They, they want the physical product. Yeah, correct, correct. So we yeah. we sent quite some money, and uh, uh, Rock Science app wasn't the success. But you know, we sold quite some copies of the Modet game, and it's you know a collector's item nowadays. You can find it still on on eBay and stuff like that for 50, 60, 70 bucks. And I got to say, if you find it, if you're Modet fan it's in English, it's worth every penny because you will find out things about Modet you didn't know. I guarantee you that. Wow. That's awesome. That's awesome. Look, Alex, I can't thank you enough for your time. I really can't. I really appreciate you coming on here yeah. telling all these stories. Um, and everyone's going to check. I, I guarantee everybody's going to be um, going to be wanting to get, uh, uh, get to your website and support you um, with your book, especially after you've had the balls to just go for it anyway, after all the publishers told you that it was, you know, <laughs> yeah. it was too nice. <laughs> That's typical. Yeah, because you know, if you if you write stories about Rammstein or or Motorhead, you know, they want to read stories about trucks. They want to read stories about groupies, you know, yeah. and and all that shit. But you know, that's not the real Motorhead, the real Rammstein that I witnessed. Witnessed, yeah. you know, they're good, proper people, and I wanted to I wanted to set the book straight, the record straight, you know. Yeah, that's all. Um, Alex, thank you so much for coming on. No problem at all. It was a pleasure, Howard. And sorry for spamming you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you did. <laughs> and I hope you enjoyed listening to that as much as I did doing it. Genuinely, a really good time. We spoke briefly before the interview and at length afterwards. Honestly, one of the real benefits of doing this show is making new friends and and Alex is one of them. Sometimes you just click with people and it's honestly, it's one of the real upsides and benefits of doing this podcast. And I said upsides like there's any downsides. There isn't. So please do keep listening, keep subscribing, keep it the motorcast and keep telling everyone about it. Please do subscribe, tell your friends and everything else. And I'll see you back here very soon for another episode of the official Motorhead podcast, The Motorcast. I don't say agreed. The only gun I need is the ace of spades. The ace of spades.